0: I am angry, and you're not going to like me when I'm angry. I'm absolutely sick and tired of this joke of a franchise that is the Philadelphia 76ers. From the process, which millions of people hate it, and I get it, and I'm not going to even get into the process right now. I'm All right, I'm not Spike Eskin on the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm not anyone else who's a process-obsessed lover. I'm not getting into that, but the point is, this franchise has been infamous now for what feels like over a decade. They can't do anything right, and everything they touch turns to garbage. All right, as TV play-by-play broadcaster Mark Zumoff says, turning garbage into gold, this franchise seems to find a way to turn gold into garbage the 76ers fall to the Boston Celtics in game 2, 128 to 101, and it wasn't even that close. In game 1, the 76ers had a chance to win, 86-86, about a minute and a half left. No, I'm sorry. It was 86-86 at one point, but you fast forward to a minute and a half left to go in the fourth quarter, Sixers down by 4. They failed to get the ball to Embiid He does not demand the ball He still had post-up position Unable to get an entry pass Okay, that's fine Because you're going to get the ball Into the hands of your max contract player Tobias Harris Harris has a one-on-one He's unable to get by his guy He takes a contested mid-range jump shot brick The rest is history Sixers lose game one Against the Boston Celtics and the problems that we've seen in the past two games in round one against the Celtics. And really, it's the same ugly problems rearing their ugly head for this franchise. Every damn season. Every damn postseason. Every damn offseason. It's the same old song and dance for this team. Brett Brown. Drops game one, as I mentioned. Furkan Korkmaz, all right? And I'm not saying Furkan's the answer, but these are just little things that Brett has been and not been doing. Furkan played, I think, s- six minutes in game one. Okay, I disagree with that, but guess what? After a game, it's a seven-game series, potentially. You could make adjustments game to game. The 76ers, what are their two biggest issues? Lack of ball handling, lack of shooters. Furkan Korkmaz is at least capable of playing in that J.J. Redick role that Redick was so strong and well-versed in in this Brett Brown type of system. The dribble handoffs with Embiid, it created space for Embiid. There was two-man games there. There was a lot that the Sixers used off of Redick and Embiid in those half-court sets. So guess what? Let Furkan get 12 to 16 minutes. We've seen Furkan capable of getting hot and maybe knocking down three, four, five, three pointers Heck, I'll take one or two in 10 to 12 minutes. Game 2, Maz rides pine the entire game. The one bright spot outside of Joel and Bede for this team has been what? Alec Burks coming off the bench. He had three straight games in the beginning of the bubble before the uh, playoffs started where he had 20 points or more. This is a guy that can guard on the perimeter, really one through three, any position. He's a guy that you can use as a forward as a shooting guard, as a small forward, it's really positionless basketball in today's game, but you get my point. He can he can play in a lot of different spots on the floor in your half-court sets. Alec Burks, 18 points in game one. Game two starts, and who does Brett Brown go to first off the bench? Raul Neto. Raul freaking Neto. And I like Neto. I think he's a solid backup point guard. He can give you 8 to 15 minutes a game, He runs your offense. He plays hard. He knows his role. He's decent in pick and rolls. He's the traditional type of point guard that's able to play in today's game. I'm a fan of Neto. But Burks riding pine and choosing Neto over him throughout an entire course of a game is a joke. Burks has been your one bright spot off the bench. This team is desperate for scoring. And Brett Brown decides to essentially... Make him non-existent in a must-win game two against the Boston Celtics. Tobias Harris, your max contract dude. $35 million a year. He's one of the top 10 highest paid players in the NBA bubble right now. In the same, He's breathing the same air as Kemba Walker, LeBron James, Paul George, Chris Paul, James Harden, and Kawhi Leonard. That's the players that Tobias Harris is comparable to contract wise players get overpaid in this league players get overpaid in sports I usually don't obsess about what dudes are making I don't really care but when it comes to a max contract this usually isn't even a discussion this usually isn't even a debate because everyone is well aware of the type of player that's deserving of a max contract and the type of player that is not deserving of a max contract Tobias Harris if we didn't know before we know now he is not deserving of a max contract he's averaged 13 points a game in two games against the Boston Celtics it's a joke game one he's unable to get this team a bucket he's unable to get this team a bucket at any point that's not the type of guy he is which equals not a max contract player. You cannot give Tobias Harris the ball on the wing and say, "Oh, we're struggling, we can't get into our offensive sets, we're in a scoring drought, whatever it may be. Take the ball, get a bucket, get fouled, go to the line, knock a couple down, knock down a three, whatever it may be, attack and create. He's unable to do that. Tobias Harris works slowly in half-court sets. He needs the ball, often with his back to the basket, In the mid to high post. (laughs) That doesn't fit very well with this team. So, Tobias Harris, useless. He's useless. Is he better off with a system and a roster that could fit him? Of course, but most players are. Alright, Tobias Harris can get you 15 to 20 every night. He can get you 19, 8, and 4 almost every night. But as far as his impact on games... It's non-existent. And when I say non-existent, maybe that's a little extreme. But how it relates to his contract, it's non fricking existent. So Brett Brown's decisions and rotations and lack of adjustments heading into last night's Game 2 is abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. And the most concerning thing? The lack of fight and character that this team showed in Game 2. To get blown out and embarrassed and to lose by 27 points, I think it was, and for it to not even be that close, that says it all right there. I tweeted out last night, at Wise Rye, W-I-S-E-R-Y-E. Like wise guy, but Rye R-Y-E at the end. So follow me there. I tweeted out, Brett might get fired tonight. Brett might get fired tonight because what we saw on the basketball floor and what we saw as far as character and fight in this team non-existent and that's completely unacceptable Joel Embiid there's a photo that's gone somewhat viral on Twitter and social media in the NBA Twitter world of just both hands in his uh, in his face face in palms I can't imagine the frustration that Joel Embiid is feeling today and last night after that game two loss, I also tweeted out who demands a trade first, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid? At what point, if you're Joel Embiid, do you say enough is enough? This team chose to not build around you. You had at least something that was working in recent years with J.J. Reddick. Joel Embiid was notably on the record, not shy about saying how close he was with Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler is no longer a sixer. You can say it was Jimmy's decision. He didn't want to be here, yada, 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 fine. I'll tell you why Jimmy Butler's not a 76er. This organization chose Ben Simmons and Brett Brown over Jimmy Butler. Brett Brown coddles and babies Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler was a disruptor. If you're watching film If Jimmy's watching film and he sees something he doesn't like regarding a coaching decision, a rotation, whatever it may be, he's going to speak up. He's a competitor. He's not shy. He don't care if it's not PC, whatever it is. He wants to win and win at all costs. And that disruption, that personality, that terrible uh, background and the history of troublemaking that Jimmy Butler has caused this organization to move on from Jimmy Butler as well as J.J. Redick. Not the same issues for J.J., but they decided J.J. wasn't worth the money. Those are two guys that Joel Embiid loved to play with and that helped Joel Embiid have the success that he has been having over recent years. Joel Embiid's going to have success no matter who you put out there, but those guys facilitated that success and made the game come easier to Joel so you have an organization that lets two of your favorite guys walk you have an organization that brings in another aging center another ridiculous contract and now Horford that if you're Joel Embiid you say okay now what's this guy gonna do I guess I don't have to go up against him anymore that's great he's caused some issues in the past for us but it doesn't make sense If you're Joel Embiid, you need shooters. Get me shooters. Get me guys that can play with me along the wing, out on the wing, that can make us more dangerous, that can give me space to dominate. This team chose to do none of that. At what point, if you're Joel Embiid, do you say enough is enough? It has to be soon. Now you have a team that's, listen, they're on the brink of getting swept. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say Joel Embiid's going to find a way to win one of the next two games and just will this team to one victory to avoid a sweep. Maybe one of the next two games, a couple shooters get hot. Tobias Harris, maybe he decides to show up for one game and give Embiid some help and they find a way to avoid a sweep. That's about it. So what's going to happen in the offseason? Brett Brown's going to get fired. That's a PR move. Because Brett Brown should have been fired, if not last season, the season before. But this ownership group and the front office group has shown their hand that they're incapable of properly running an organization. But they're gonna let go of Brett Brown because they know they have to. The noise and the clamoring is at its loudest it's been. And it's time, it's time for a change. And I've been a Brett Brown, I don't want to say a defender, but in this town in Philadelphia, as fans and a fan base as a whole, we're always yelling for the coach to go, a coaching change, D coordinators for the Eagles over the past 20 years, head coaches for the Eagles, the Sixers, the Flyers, the Phillies. We always jump to that, I think, quickly, a little bit too quickly. And we need a change. The 76ers need a change. And it's going to come. It's going to come. But here's the problem, folks. That ain't the answer. Could it be an answer to a few of the questions? Sure. Depending on who they bring in, that person could handle Ben Simmons a little bit differently. He could run half court sets that benefit Joel Embiid. All right, so that could be a positive. That could see We could see the cause and the effect right away from a different voice and a different head coach on the sidelines for the Philadelphia 76ers. Fine. But that ain't the answer. I talked a few minutes ago about the 76ers and their decisions to not bring Butler back, and no one really knows why, but I, I gave you my opinion on why. Not bringing J.J. Redick back and building this roster how it's currently constructed. You have a max player in Tobias' contract that's not deserving of it. And (laughs) I think everyone's going to be on the table for the 76ers as far as trades. I don't know how you get rid of the Tobias Harris contract, and I don't think they want to. I think they view him as a leader and as a guy that can be part of this young, air quotes, core group alongside Embiid and Ben Simmons for the next three to five years. I don't see Tobias getting traded, but I would try and trade him. I'd tell you that right now. I would definitely try and trade him. Al Horford, that experiment has been an absolute disaster, and it's not an experiment. You signed him to big money. But there's going to be a a couple teams that are going to be interested in Al Horford, probably teams with a younger roster that are looking to bring in a vet uh, to lead that locker room, and maybe Al Horford still has a year or two left in a better situation. The Sacramento Kings are a team that's notably been interested in Al Horford's services. And on the flip side there, Buddy Heald for the Sacramento Kings. Doesn't look like he's going to be wearing a Kings jersey for much longer. So maybe you figure out a deal to send Al Horford out west to Sacramento and try and bring in Buddy Heald. That would be a fantastic move. But my faith and trust in this front office and ownership group is at an all-time low. I'm not going to be expecting that. But I expect Al Horford to get moved probably for much less than a buddy-heeled type of player. So now what? Now you have Ben Simmons, who's a repeated champion on Instagram posts. He always posts shirtless pics of him taking threes in an empty high school gym. That's great. We have yet to see him develop his offensive game when it counts, when the lights are on. So you have a point guard that doesn't shoot you have a big man in a in a game where it's really tough for your best player to be a big. It just is. The Denver Nuggets and Jokic, it's a different type of situation. They run their entire offense through Jokic. He's really a point center, point forward. He touches the ball every possession. And they run their sets through him. And B it isn't that guy. They can do things like that more often, maybe, with a different coach, but he's not Jokic. And that's not a knock on him, B. They're just two different types of players and it's really tough to win with a big man as your number one option say so you have joel you have ben you have mad max toby and then what then what matisse Thybul. i love the kid he plays hard he's had success against some of the best best guys in the nba on defense but on offense he's a massive liability I brought up Korkmaz earlier. He's a great shooter. Greats maybe a little bit exaggerated, but he's he's developed himself into a, a legitimate role player and three-point shooter in this league, which is not easy to do. What do you do with him? Because he's a liability on defense. Matisse Thybul is a liability on offense, and that causes headaches for any head coach, not just Brett Brown. What do you do there? If you get rid of Horford, who are you bringing in? To back up Horford Oh by the way You need a point guard Shake Milton was a nice story this year I think he cemented himself As A guy that can have a job in this league He can come off the bench for a team In a limited type of role But he's not the answer He's not the starting point guard moving forward You need a point guard You need at least a backup point guard Or another legitimate ball handler On this team You need another, at least one, legitimate shooter on this team, if not two. Oh, and with what money? Tobias Harris maxed out. Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. They all need to get paid. Again. This team, when they fire Brett Brown, still has a ton of question marks. And I don't know how we're going to get the answers. That's my rant on the Philadelphia 76ers on the latest edition of The Fix. I'm your host, Ryan. Be sure to subscribe to The Fix wherever you are listening, wherever you may get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, the list goes on and on. Subscribe, rate, leave a review. Each and every review and subscription goes a long way in growing this podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter. At the fix underscore podcast, and you can follow myself on Twitter at wiserye. Wise R Y E. All right, everyone, until next time. Ah, at least we have the flyers, right? Carter Hart. Peace.